Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Four Star Podcast. I promised you, well, those of you that follow us on Facebook anyway, promised you a surprise. We have added a fourth star. Everybody, welcome, <laughs> Tig Mullen. Uh, Tig is a great friend of the three of ours. Um, I've known him since we played football together in third grade. Nick's known him from uh, going to elementary school with him. So, Tig, if you want to introduce yourself a little bit here, I'll uh, give you the floor for a couple minutes. Great. Well, thank you, Jordan. Well, yes, my name is Tig Mullen. Um, big Bears fan, big Cubs fan. Haven't really watched too much Bulls uh, recently in the past few years, ever since the good years with Derrick Rose and everything. I'm not that big of a hockey guy, but I'm learning. Uh, I was trying to watch hockey highlights to get ready for the lottery. I was like, yeah, that's a good. I was like, that's a good move. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that was a real nice goal. Nice. All right. Yeah, I want that one. Um, but yeah, just uh, in the Army for over five years now. And, um, you know, I'm enjoying that <laughs> as much as I can. Are you? And I'm just, Are you? yeah. Yeah. Hey, as much as I can. Right. It's an attitude. And uh, I'm just trying to have some fun with my friends and talk about sports here. So thanks for having me on. I told them I really to get on the show. I barged into their office and I was like, hey, I've been in the army. So, you know, I'm good at sweeping up places and mopping, um, not sweeping rooms like technically, but like I'm good cleaning. And they're like, you're in, man. So <laughs> thanks for having me. come on. So uh, Tig adds a, a little bit of West Coast flair along with me to the show. <laughs> He's also out here. Currently, we're in the same time zone because Arizona doesn't do daylight savings. But um, yeah, we're, we're excited to have him on again. We've, uh, we've all been friends with him for a very long time. So, And now uh, we have the right number of hosts to fit our show title. And now we don't have to double up on the four stars. So <laughs> thanks for being on. <laughs> That's all we cared about was having yeah. all the numbers line up. It really exactly. Well, and four, then next teams, week we're adding a fifth star, and then the next week sixth. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just keep on adding names here. What happens yeah, right? if yeah. Chicago adds more star, like another star to their flag? We're gonna have to change the name. We're gonna have to, you know, and Add I don't a know. Sport. I don't know a podcast called the Five Star Podcast. That just sounds pretentious. Like the four star is like we're we're good, but not that good. We, like we have room for improvement. <laughs> you know. Well, I'll yep. just wait till it gets to six or seven stars, and then it'll really start to get oh, messed up here. Oh God! Better have fun with that one. <laughs> I wonder because, oh, yeah. like, what would Chicago add the fifth star for? Would it be like Bears winning a Super Bowl, or you know, no. like because all the stars were added, you know, pre? It was like it was <laughs> like 1940s or whatever. Like two of them are for. We should know this. It's a real. Shame. <laughs> I don't know. I got no, you. It's, what I'm saying. It's for what I'm saying is what would the they Chicago add the fifth Fire one for? And the two World's Fairs. Okay. That's so yeah. Just, that's so what I'm saying is like. Would the Bears winning another Super Bowl be like B five worthy? Like, what would make the no. Chicago? If the Bears the won the Super Bowl and the city burned down oh. in the celebration, I think that would do it. Yeah, we need another great fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we get too off topic here, we got a lot to cover this week. Um, so we're actually going to lead off with the Blackhawks for once, hence my jersey choice this week. Um. Don't know how it, I mean, I guess we had the third best odds, but like, I, it, we won the draft lottery. The Chicago Blackhawks are on the clock. Yeah. And it, I am willing to bet the pick will be in, in about three seconds. <laughs> it should be in, it should be in already. Yeah. It should be in yeah, already. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Blackhawks should be drafting Connor Bedard. There's not a lot to, to go over there. I mean, it's, pretty pretty cut and dry yeah um 
if you guys want to dig in a little bit on how you see that affecting the team next year and the years to come, I'll let you uh, take that over. Well, first, for people that don't know how good Connor Bedard is, if you followed hockey at all or any of the draft prospects coming up this year, you know how good Connor Bedard is. But if you don't know, this kid is amazing. He's 5'10", 185 pounds. He's a right-handed shot. Uh, he turns 18 in July, so he's not even 18 yet. Um, and in this past year in the WHL for uh, the Regina Pats, he in, in 57 games, 71 goals, 72 oh assists, 143 <laughs> points, 2.51 points per, per game. So it's two and, a, two and a half points per game. Now, if you go back and look at the forwards in the last 20 years or so and look at the uh, the forwards coming out of the CHL, the Canadian Hockey League, um, you, uh, and you take – what am I What am I saying? Um, <laughs> essentially, that 2.51 points per game among forwards in the last 20 years is third all-time behind Sidney Crosby, Connor McDavid, and just ahead of someone we know very well, Patrick Kane. Uh, he's got an elite shot. He's got a great shot. Like watch his highlights. He just releases it and then it's just in the back of the net. You can't do anything about it. He's got great hands. He's a nightmare for the defense. The one downside is his frame. He might be a bit too small to be like that top center. Some teams like their centers to be a bit bigger, but if that's the case, you put him on the wing and then the Hawks have another Patrick Kane. So uh, that's Connor Bedard and he's very good. Yeah, I mean, this really changes everything for the Hawks, I think, because we went into this outlook like not even – I didn't even consider this as like – it was a possibility, obviously, because the lottery odds. But I didn't want to get my hopes up too much um, when it comes to mm-hmm. the prospects of getting Bedard. But the fact you get him in here now is just – it changes the entire trajectory, I think, of the entire organization here. And, and just to add on to the numbers aspect that Nick kind of brought up, um, you look at him and the – uh, World Junior U20 Championships this past year. Um, in seven games, this guy had 23 points in seven games. Uh, oh nine God. goals, 14 assists. So uh, this guy is just an offensive force on the ice. Um, just really, really tough for opposing teams to have to contend with. And where this gets exciting for the Blackhawks now is that you add Bedard into the mix, but also the Hawks are set up really well in terms of, you know, some of the young talent they already have in the system here. And then you look at the draft pick situation for them, for them moving forward. They have two first round picks this year, four second round picks this year, two third round picks, and they get to 2024, two first round picks, two second round picks, two third round picks, 2025, two first round picks, two second rounds. Like they keep on going here. Like they are stacked with assets now to where they can add some young talent into the organization to really get the ball rolling on this thing. And um, it could get exciting here. uh, In addition to that, in addition to that, they're not hamstrung by any big contracts. Like after, after this year, uh, the only two players signed through the end of the season, making more than 5 million a year that aren't on their like entry level contract are, Seth Jones and Connor Murphy and Seth Jones is the only one between the two of them making more than 5 million a year. So they're not up against the cap. They're in, uh, they're in a position where they're able to take on some bad contracts by the time it's going to, it is going to take some time. Like we, we, we are very excited about Connor Bedard and he definitely ramps up the process, but it's still going to take some time. Basically everybody else they draft from here on out, it's going to be a year or two in Rockford or wherever they end up developing before they start making uh, contributions at the NHL level. But 
I mean, next year, next year's going to be really fun. Bedard should be ready to play immediately. So it's just going to be him and Reichel scoring goals. Um, those draft picks that Andrew mentioned, you know, they, they are probably going to be a high lottery pick again. You're going to get another really great talent. So um, it's, it's still going to be a process, but I think Kyle Davidson has set up his, he's got, he's got a lot to play with and we're going to see where it goes from here. To add one more thing for me before Jordan, you go to you. Um, speaking of excitement for the team, I just saw this on Twitter here from Darren Ravel, um, business guy um, for around sports. I forget who he's writing for right now, but anyways, he mentioned here that the Blackhawks, since they got the number one overall pick in the rights to Connor Bedard, um, they have sold more than 500 full season tickets worth more than two and a half million already. So if you want to talk about Blackhawks fans being hyped about this, like they are ready to go. So big time. I think the the front office is super happy because I don't know how many jerseys they would have sold in the team store if they're all either Lucas Reichel or Seth Jones. Because now they got a lot. Probably not a lot. I can tell you, I have not purchased a Blackhawks jersey since Kane, Taves, uh, and Seabrook left. Those are the three, like, oh, no, I have a Duncan Key, too. So those are the four that I have with actual, like, names and numbers on them. This one's a blank. But, um, yeah, the only thing I really had to add, uh, fortunately, as Chicago sports fans, we are used to rebuilding. So we should be able to be patient and give the Blackhawks a little bit of time uh, to kind of put everything together, get those pieces in place. I did not realize we had nearly that many high round draft picks. That's really yeah. exciting uh, so that we can give Bedard some some good complimentary. Well, weapons. when you trade everybody worth a damn for the past three years and <laughs> essentially tear the team down to its studs, you're going to amass some draft capital. So This is true. So I think really that's, that's all there is to say about the Hawks. That was just the most exciting thing. Uh, to kind of happen this week. We'll uh, flip over to the Cubs here. Uh, had a bit of a rough stretch. We'll start by kind of going over the four-game series against Washington. Uh, game one, we got the W, one five to one, and then we lost the next three by scores of four to one, two to one, and four to three. Uh, and on top of that, our catcher, who is surprisingly hitting the ball very well, Jan Gomes, got caught on a backswing and is, I think he's about halfway through his seven day IL stint with a concussion. So uh, not, not quite as exciting uh, as what we got going on here recently, but uh, good news. Miguel Amaya got called up. He's been swinging the bat really well uh, down in double a, I got the call up to to take some at bats. So uh, if you guys want to dig in a little bit, yeah, so, I mean, well, there's a lot of, obviously, feelings about kind of that Washington series and just some of the decisions that David Ross made. But uh, an interesting Back point that we were <laughs> – Yeah, but we were digging up uh, – a few weeks ago, we saw kind of that there was a big win-loss disparity between Jan Gomes and starts and um, Tucker Barnhart's and now Miguel Amaya's. And so I made sure to keep track of that with uh, some extra digging. So heading into today, right, because the Cubs would play the Cardinals today, but that's – for next week uh jan gomes's starts were 13 and 4 his 13th win was when tucker barner had to come in because he got hit in the head 
Uh, Tucker Barnhart starts coming into today are only four and ten. He has never won a back-to-back game starting at catcher. And Miguel Amaya now it's at one and two, but yesterday was kind of kind of rough. So um, yeah, so like like we can see kind of that the team, I don't know, the pitchers love throwing to the Gomes. He's clearly kind of coming to his own, coming into the Cubs, mm-hmm. and also it just kind of makes it seem like it was kind of the good move cutting ties with Wilson. <clears throat> Yeah, it, uh, it it definitely seems that way. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ross and his decision making, and uh, there were a couple moments in the Washington series, and this is all I really have to say about it. I'd I'd be a lot more upset of it about it if Mervis and Morell weren't on the roster already. But there were a couple moments that just really infuriated me because they weren't there. Um, in Game Two, uh, there were the bases loaded, and uh, Edwin Rios was coming up against a righty, and is Edwin Rios. He's, you know, he's barely played it all this year. He's there for that lefty righty matchup and Ross pinch hit for him for Mancini. And I was sitting there. I was just like, if Edwin Rios isn't taking that at bat, why is he even on the roster? Like, what is the point of that? And then in game three, top, top of the nine, there were two on no one out again, down by a run. Uh, Eric Hosmer, who was the designated hitter that day, (laughs) um, went up there and was sack bunting. If you, if your designated hitter that is batting, and I think it was like the seven or eight hole that day, is up there and he is sack bunting, like that tells you something is wrong with the roster. And granted, you know, they seem to have fixed that, but I just wanted to bring that up because uh, both of those moments really angered me. Rightfully so. Um, I do want to circle back yeah, to and, a little more Jan Gomes versus Tucker okay. Barnhart comparison real quick. Um, I had to, I had to cough, so I couldn't jump in. Um, but uh, I think before Gomes got injured, he was hitting slightly above 300. So like solid batting average, that's where you want to be. Tucker Barnhart is currently hitting sub 200, which is just absolutely abysmal. Like every time Tucker Barnhart comes up to the plate and I see men on base, a little part of me dies inside. So I did want to <laughs> dig in on that a little bit. I uh, looked like you had something to, to bring up. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a good point. Yes. I mean, obviously, most time with catchers, right, their value comes from defense and their value comes from catching a good game, obviously. And that's what most teams will take. But uh, it's just I think kind of what's so frustrating about kind of those decisions with the national series. Like if you want to be competitors, those are games that you should be winning. Right. And I mentioned before the series started to one of our group chats, I was like, we got to take three out of four. Like, come on. Like, that's not even like that should be out of the question to take three out of four. So the fact that we didn't even go 500 in a four game series against a really bad team was just kind of like I said, it just kind of makes you die inside a little bit. Cause you're like, like, cause it's, it's so frustrating to be like, are we, are we competing guys or are we tanking? And now, now we finally did call these guys up, but now we're sub 500, I think again. And it's like, what are we doing here? You know, so it's just frustrating to watch. And and that's the thing with all these close losses. And we touched on this last week when Mervis and Morell were still raking in AAA. But uh, it's it's at the end of the day, a lot of your your record in one loss games in baseball. Baseball is a really fluky game. So a lot of that comes down to luck. If you're like really in one direction versus like somewhere close to 500. But, you know, it's harder to accept those losses when you don't have your best 26 guys out there. And when that roster isn't being used optimally and when everybody goes cold at the wrong time and you're still um, 
you're still losing these one-run games. I we we brought up the stat last week how they were just abysmal over the Marlins series with runners in scoring position. Uh, that has continued, I believe, since the Marlins series. Uh, they're like 18 for 97 or something like that. I uh, runners in scoring position. Not I good. was watching the game today before we got started, and uh, Boog they and, lost by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Boog kind of got a little bit heated and. It, I think over the course of the whole season so far, they're still hitting roughly 300 uh, with runners in scoring position. Over the last few games, they're hitting about 180 with runners in scoring position. But before that, they were hitting like, I want to say he said 350 with runners in scoring position. So right now, unfortunately, I don't want to like freak out about it because um, you're going to have some regression back to the mean yeah. at some point if you were doing that good you're gonna have a cold streak to bring you right back to the middle so unfortunately right now we are in the middle of the cold streak but the good news is our division is still hot garbage <laughs> the pirates who are in the division lead just snapped a seven game losing streak today if i remember correctly so it's still it, this division is yeah. still anybody's game to win i i'm not gonna hit the panic button just yet it is frustrating but you know, eventually, again, we're going to get back to that 250 with runners in scoring position. That'll kind of even out from the hot streak we had versus the cold streak we have now. Well, you certainly hope that uh, bringing out Matt Mervis to the lineup will help in that regard. I know Nick's very happy about that because he's been on a Twitter rampage about that entire <laughs> situation. And and Nick, I'm, I'm just glad you can finally get that off your chest. How, how are you feeling now that we got him up at the big league level? I am feeling phenomenal and what makes me feel even better about it is that they came out and said that Mervis is going to get most of the reps going forward at yes. first base and DH he's going to be playing maybe not like every day but like he's going to be a main fixture in that lineup and Hosmer is going to be more of a bench role which thank god we've been screaming for that for like my, like weeks at this point so I'm just I'm just happy about that yeah, my uh, my father in law is a huge Padres fan, and so every week I was texting him like, "Take him back, please. <laughs> Just come on, man. What what can I do to you like to help you guys take him back?" And he's like, "No, you enjoy that. You suffer now." <laughs> every round ball out, I'm just like, ugh, I was just cringing from Hosmer. Don't even his there. even like yeah. his clutch RBIs were all like ground balls. Like the one yeah. clutch RBI a few days ago was a ground ball that the second baseman just missed because they were playing in. <laughs> well, I think uh, basically the general consensus, you know, there were obviously as there are in any series, a few bright spots against the Nationals, but uh, overall, not good. Then we go host the Marlins and actually it was a pretty decent series a uh, little three game stint there uh, just kick off a homestand won the first one four to one second one four to two and lost a nail biter the other day five to four in extras that was gut-wrenching but you know close game we still we played overall well I would think yeah, 14 innings. Uh, we we gave a, uh, Adbert had the ball called on him, which then whoever was up to bat ended up hitting, ripping like a double anyway. So I guess it doesn't matter. But yeah, I obviously it's good to bounce back against the Marlins. We've been better to sweep them, but against good pitching, uh, Sandy Alcantara shut us out for eight straight innings, and then they kept them in. And that was kind of the only reason why we were in there uh, yesterday was because you know, we rallied and, and on Saturday it was a comeback win too. So this team, this team definitely shows that we're not quitting. And I like to see that, you know, the cliche where we're scrappy, 
right? <laughs> but no, <laughs> like it's good to see that we're not quitting. It's just like we're so close, man. There's just a few pieces here and there. I think that we can. It's going to be start feeling like 2015, 2016 again. Hopefully. Well, I think a good indicator of how close we are. Poor, poor Miguel Amaya. Uh, mm. I think he's been up for four games now, if I remember correctly. He's had, not including today, because I didn't track it, but um, I think through the Miami game yesterday, he had five balls put in play over 100 miles an hour exit velocity. Mm. None of them fall in for a hit. He finally gets his first hit, and it's a weak little dribbler that just sneaks past a shortstop in the second baseman right past the base. So did get his first hit. It, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling good about him. Uh, obviously can crush the ball. Eventually, again, talking about regressing back to the mean, eventually balls that are hit like that are going to land. So um, I think that's just another indicator of how we're just like one and little team. It isn't, even, it isn't even just the batted ball profile with Amaya. It's the fact that he – like defensively catching like Wisniewski came out and said he really in he like trusted Amaya to call the game and like really enjoyed uh pitching to him I I believe one other I one other pitcher I don't remember if it was Smiley or Tyone said it uh Ross spoke very highly of it so um yeah it's going to um oh I'm sorry you if you're, if you're not watching on YouTube, Jordan <laughs> moved around on the screen and I thought he was gone and I was very, I was very confused for a moment. <laughs> I, meant to, I meant to click the mute button on my mic and accidentally remove myself from the stream. So, <laughs> whoops. Um, yeah, but anyway, I think it's a great first stint for Amaya. He's probably going to get sent back down because uh, I don't think they want to carry three catchers on the roster, but um, it's, it's a great sign. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, hang just... on, Nick, because we had Luis Torrens. So, <laughs> no, we traded him. For, it... for... I know. I'm just saying, like, we carried three catchers at one point. So, oh, oh. For... <laughs> what do you guys think of this? Uh, what do you think this guy uh, cash considerations we got from the Orioles? Do you think he's going to be any good? <laughs> well, uh, as, as we know, the Rickets need more money. Obviously, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Gall <laughs> Gallagher Way isn't what it once was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Well, the, the last thing I do kind of want to touch on uh, with the Cubs, obviously you guys can dig into more stuff if you'd like, but the, the last thing I wanted to bring up, the pitching has been incredible. Um, yeah. Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele, and Drew Smiley are all through yesterday in the top 25 in ERA, whip, and batting average against for all of MLB. We have three of the 25 best pitchers in the entire league on the roster. Jamison Tyone just came back from an injury list stint, and Kyle Hendricks is still making a rehab start. So our rotation is solid, like rock solid. I'm very excited because, again, I mean, if our pitching is that good, if we have, you know, if we just called up Matt Mervis, obviously there's going to be an adjustment period. I'm not wanting to rush him at all. Uh Christopher Morrell just got called up today. Didn't play because they had a crazy schedule with Iowa. Totally justified. Take the day off, rest, get ready. Um, and again, if we can find a way to keep Amaya, honestly, I'd say just at this point, get rid of Barnhart if everybody's liking Amaya that much and his bats that much better. But I'm not the general manager. So, um, but I mean, he got the Barnhart signed for two years. 
or was it just a one-year deal? I don't remember. You know, it's funny. I was going to ask the same thing. I'll, I'll find out for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, somebody look at a stat that real quick. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it, we have a crazy, crazy good pitching rotation. We've got young talent that has finally been called up that should contribute on offense. And it, I mean, if the rotation is that good, you get kept in close games. And if these guys are replacing people like Mancini and Hosmer and Rios and uh, oh, who was the other one? Torrance. Uh, Torrance. Luis well, Torrance. Torrance. Slip, slipped my mind for a second there. But it, you got those four guys that started the year not hitting the ball at all. I mean, in theory, by the end of the year, we should have this all put together, and I think we can at least make it to the playoffs. I'm, I'm not going to say we're going to you know, be a World Series contender this year, but it, we should at least be able to play some October baseball. They just got to get – a few of these hitters out of their slumps with runners in scoring position. I mean, it's just, yep. it's just a rough stretch at the moment, but yeah, the pitching depth is something that I'm most encouraged by because we have Tyone coming back, uh, Hendricks coming back at some point, if they can be manageable, give you, give you a few innings hitting there here and there. Don't get blown up. Uh, was Nesky's strung together a couple of nice starts in a row. You hope to see mm -hmm. him improve. And then, Strowman and Justin Steele. Justin Steele has been phenomenal. He's like second in the league in ERA. Yeah. Yeah. No, if he can keep this up, and I I don't want to get my hopes up, but if he can keep up this pace, I think he's a legitimate Cy Young contender this year. Well, yeah. If you're yeah. if you're second in the league in ERA, you're gonna contend for the Cy Young. But it's yeah. just a matter of if he can <laughs> if he can keep it. And you know, we should we should pump the brakes, but you know, you know, but it, it is exciting, it is encouraging. Yeah. So to answer the first question, Barnhart has a two-year uh, contract with next year being a player option. So, I mean, Crap. I can't see why he wouldn't no, exercise that. Um, that yeah. yeah, yeah. To talk more about Justin Steele, it's funny you mentioned him because I don't have the numbers on hand, um, unfortunately. But <laughs> I was looking at stats earlier, and uh, there was a Twitter discourse going around about how Justin Steele doesn't really throw impressive pitches. Like his stuff, when you look at it, analytics from just the numbers, it doesn't really look great. Like his swinging strikes isn't great, and it's just kind of like when's he going to regress and just kind of like have that blow up stretch uh, because his stretch has been so good. But I think it's really just kind of a credit to him. He's a fearless lefty that pitches inside with a cutting action fastball to righties and they're getting on top of it with weak grounders. And then our defense is so good. So it's like, yeah, analytics. I see why like everybody's kind of scared. Like, Oh, like he's, he, you know, stuff wise he doesn't got it. But I'm, I mean, if you keep painting your fastballs inside to hitters, there's not much that they can do about it. So I really hope that he keeps it up and that, we have a formidable rotation moving forward. So I do have the I do have the stats up right now. I'm looking down at my phone. Uh, Justin Steele is currently second in Major League Baseball with a 145 ERA. Only guy better than him is Sonny Gray on the Twins with a 135. So he's the best pitcher in the National League for ERA. Uh, Stroman sitting in eighth at a 228. Drew Smiley is 24th with a 305. If we're looking at batting average against, uh, Stroman is in 10th with a 196 steel is 13th with a 200 smiley is 18th with a 207 and whip uh it looks like they fell a little bit but justin steals in 12th with a 0.95 whip is walks and hits per inning pitched for those of you that aren't baseball stat nerds like we are <laughs> uh marcus stroman is 17th with a 106 and drew smiley is not in the top 50 for that because I think you got you got beat up a little bit the other day, but and this team is still somehow under 500 with a bullpen that's not even that bad. 
Like, well, no, the bullpen has been surprisingly baseball. much just, better than we thought it would be. Right, and that's, that's because the you know the scoring, the the run yeah. support has just been going down. I mean, Stroll, the JD from the Cubs broadcast booth today during the Cardinals game was mentioning how Strowman has is averaging less than two runs of run support. Yep. You know, come on, guys, we gotta pick this up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if there if there's a theme to the season before that we've covered every single week, it's that the pitching has been lights out, fantastic for the most part. When are the bats going to come around and be more consistent? And you hope that with the young guys they're bringing up that they can start to get a little, a little bit of a spark there. Like Mervis in his first few um, outings here, like he's got a 571 OPS right now. You'd expect that to go up as he gets more experience and starts to get into a little bit of a rhythm. And if he can, I mean, you never know. That could be a huge jolt to this, to this offense right now because, yeah, they've been in a bit of a rough stretch. <laughs> we, we've certainly covered that here. One uh, one more guy that's having a little bit of a rough stretch, you know, it, Patrick Wisdom is when he makes contact with the ball, it's leaving the yard. He's still up there uh, for the home run lead. Um, I think he's sitting at 11 right now, but he has been in a little bit of a slump lately, which with Christopher Morell coming up, who normally plays, I believe, center field, which is occupied by Cody Bellinger. And I cannot see that changing at all. With wisdom in a slump, I think his job might be a little bit in jeopardy right now. By the way, can we can we talk about how awesome Cody Bellinger has been this season so far? Yeah, we it, like we've done every week. <laughs> like he's, <laughs> he's been. I, I just reiterate again, like he looks like every single week. It looks like he's getting. He, he, I try not to get like too ahead of myself in saying that he's back to being what he was. You know, those first couple years with the Dodgers, where he's one of the best hitters in baseball, but. Yeah, I mean, you look at his numbers right now. He is like one of the best hitters in baseball. One of the best hitters in baseball right now. So, yeah. I mean, we talk With about a plus the plus glove, right? So we talk about the offense being a struggle here. Like Bellinger, he's been like the one consistent guy. I feel like you know for this Cubs team and well, gosh, I, yeah, and I hope that that can keep up because again, he's on a one year deal. So who knows what that means for you know next offseason, whatever, but we're getting way too ahead of ourselves here with that conversation. <laughs> but for the purpose of this year, like, gosh, I, I hope he can keep that up because it, it would be awesome for that one year deal to turn out to be, you know, the way it is turning out to be right now. Anyway. Well, anybody yeah, no, else have it, any? Oh, Ty, go for well, it. I got, I got a lot to say about Cody Bellinger, man, because that was like the first <laughs> <laughs> for this show. That was like my first research piece is Cody Bellinger. No, he's, on the on the surface, so this is what's going to be so interesting, and obviously it's too early to talk trade deadline. I'm sure we'll have a massive trade deadline episode when that gets closer. But yeah. what's interesting about Cody is that on the surface, his stats look great, right? They're close to matching his pace from his MVP year because you don't really want to. I mean, you obviously you can't ignore last year in 2021 and 2020. Right. But he was hurt. He was banged up. His swing was all out of whack. Uh, I've read that he's changed his swing mechanics again. It's like it's not like he's like did a massive change. You can see that, but you know he's. He's changing some of his fundamentals. It's just, you know, tweaking them, giving them little tweaks, and, and it's paying off dividends. But what's interesting to me is that for this year with Cody, uh, when it comes to the analytics, right, and I know that's an age-old debate, like, oh, the eye test versus analytics, and, like, well, what kind of production is, do we see, right? Because with the RBIs, home runs, this slugging on-base percentage all looks good, right? It's a bit lower than his MVP year, but it still looks good. His WRC+, plus, which is weighted runs created, which is a very good plus. stat to measure plus yeah, which takes into account uh, stadium <laughs> factors and everything. It's a good stat to show for hitters. Like if you want to tell somebody 
Cruz a good hitter. Like his WRC plus is like 149, which is Cody's this year so far. Is that good? Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. Um, what's interesting though, what I find really interesting is his hard hit percentages. Uh, his sweet or his sweet spot is actually right on the mark of his MVP year, but his barreling percentages are down from his MVP year, and his woba. So what woba is for those who don't know, it's called weighted on base average, and it tries to measure how effective a hitter is um, with their uh, like it just it takes into account everything: walks, home runs, triples, doubles, how they're getting on base and creating runs. It measures all of that, and that's another stat that people want to try to use to show like just how good a hitter is. So a WOBA of over 400 is considered elite from like 350, 400 is good. Uh, his WOBA this year is 394 and his MVP year, it was 415. What's interesting, this is what I'm kind of curious to see how Judd navigates it. His ex-WOBA, which means expected WOBA, is only at 336. What does that mean? That means that he's getting lucky, right? And his uh, average exit velocity is at 87.7 miles per hour during his MVP year is 91.1. So it's actually, he's hitting the ball a lot softer, he's getting a lot softer contact than he was, but he's still putting up his MVP numbers. What does that typically mean for a hitter? It typically means that they're getting lucky. So what does Jed want to do? You know, we'll talk more trade deadline and how the Cubs look then, but I could see Jed trying to ship him off with all these outfielding prospects coming up. I think um, you mentioned at the tail end uh, that, you know, he's not hitting the ball as hard, but he's putting that production up. And I think part of that is the new shift rules. We, you know, past couple of years, he's been one of those guys that very like teams very heavily shift him because he's a heavy pull hitter. So, you know, with those new rules in place, there's more there's more gaps open for him to find the hole. So I think that's part of it, too. Sure, it's definitely part of it, but we'll definitely. I'm curious to see. I'm excited to see. I want him to do well. I want him to be a stud, man. I... Oh no! Did I lose oh, you guys? No. We lose him. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> okay. Are we good? We're yeah. back. All right, we're yeah, back we're now. Good. Hey, internet, it's happening. Technology. I'm excited to see him. <laughs> I would love to see him become a stud. I would love to see him keep this up and just uh, and get those you know those analytics back up. Um, but you know, let's give it some more time. We are still in May. Yeah, I, I'm. Man, I really hope we're buyers at the trade deadline because that would be really exciting. Um, I think that should pretty much sum it up for the Cubs for this week. Uh, they did just start a three-game set against the Cardinals at Wrigley Field today. We'll dig into uh, that series on this coming Sunday's episode. Uh, then they have a day off Thursday, and then they travel to Minnesota to play the Twins at Target Field over the weekend. Moving right along here, uh, we'll go into the jersey that Tig is wearing this week. Uh, Bears rookie minicamp was this past weekend. I didn't really hear any crazy stories. Nothing too no. out of the ordinary, just minicamp. Rookie minicamp. Um, the one thing I did want to bring up, obviously, anytime – there are Bears team activities. Everybody's wanting to know how Justin Fields is doing. Uh, so Luke Getze did get interviewed and said that, quote, Justin Fields is light years ahead of where he was at this time last year, which I think is very exciting because it did seem like they started putting everything together towards the end of the season last year. So if he's already far and away ahead of where he was the closing of last year, I got a good feeling about this year. Not to be a pessimist about that, but like even Matt Nagy was hyping up Mitch going into 2019, and then he put up three points against the Packers in one of the worst displays I've ever seen. So, you know, 
Yeah, but Matt Nagy is Matt Nagy. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was going to say that I don't know how Luke Getzey knows this because Justin Fields has – I mean, Justin Fields is in the building every day, obviously. But, like, they haven't Get- had, like, a – he hasn't had a single practice where Justin Fields is, like, on the field. Getzey's like. on vacation, dude. Getzey's chilling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know how he knows this, but anyway. But, yeah, I mean, you, obviously you, you, you like it to where – He's not saying, you know, oh, Justin Fields, he's obviously a step behind compared to what last year. He's a lot better than that, obviously. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, like, I would expect Justin Fields to be in a much better place going into this year. You know, he's he going to be a little bit more comfortable in the offense. I think last year was definitely a bit of an adjustment, I think, for him because he – I mean, he had to rework his entire, you know, footwork mechanics in training camp last year, which was an underrated uh, storyline. And that kind of reflected the first four games of the year. Like, he – he was all out of whack the first four games with his footwork and timing and everything. And once he settled down and really, really got going there, but yeah, I, I, I'm just really excited to see how he does with DJ Morris his number one that's wide receiver be, now, be because nice. that's going to be the biggest determining factor of how ahead Justin Fields is this year is can he get a connection with DJ Moore? Because we, we've seen this over the years where that number one wide receiver is really, really important for these young quarterbacks. Well, I'm feeling good about it because I know the second DJ Moore got to Chicago, uh, Chase Claypool, DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, and Justin Fields were all hanging out at a Bulls game. So they clearly hit it off right away. I, I From everything I've ever heard about Justin Fields, he wants to get to work right away, make sure that the chemistry is there come regular season. Um, so, it, I mean, the kid's shown he's a hard worker. I, I don't see any problems coming with a connection between Justin Fields and DJ Moore. It feels good that the Bears have a lot of options at wide receivers now. It's crazy, right? Like for the first time in my life. Basically. So we should get rid of some of them, right? I think so, because you know, yeah, as, as you know, crowded. you can only have two good wide receivers. That's like that's the way it goes. Like one. I don't know. It was this two only one. <laughs> I want one good wide only receiver. Yeah. Never mind, never mind. Only one good wide receiver. I forgot we're Bears. Yeah, who right? needs like a Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill wide receiver room, right? Overrated. True. True. Not completely me. unnecessary. <laughs> hey, you see, and for those of you, here, he didn't need one. For those of you that can't tell, we are being heavily sarcastic. There's been a lot of uh, chatter on Bears Twitter about not Bears Twitter needing, doing Bears Twitter things. Uh, yeah, you know? it, about us not needing all these wide receivers. And our take on it is, yes, we do. Why it's would you complain about having too much talent? And not even complaining about having too much talent. It's not just about the talent it's about the depth do you remember last year towards the end of the year when like yeah. dante pettis and equimania st brown were our wide receiver one and two because uh mooney and claypool were hurt like do you want that to happen again like let's say let's say god forbid like dj Moore and chase claypool go down are you really like are you really happy with running those two back out there again and you know so you want to have it's not a bad thing to have a lot of good players that can yeah. contribute do you mean to tell me you did not enjoy watching Equinemius St. Brown and Dante Pettis drop balls and pretend to be wide receivers for the Chicago Bears last season? I thought it was great. Well, technically, they're still in the roster, so that could still be an option for you if you want. <laughs> Except they're, they're going to do it maybe once a game or maybe. once every other game rather yeah. than like three times a game. I mean, the bottom line is that, like, it's 2023, guys. Like, at some point, the Bears, you got to move into the modern NFL here and 
And what are all the great teams doing is they're loading up at wide receiver, they're loading up at weapons, and they're giving their quarterbacks as many guys to throw to as possible. Look at the 49ers, what they do. Like They don't have a quarterback, but their offense is so dang good because you have Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. And, oh, by the way, you got, you got Debo Samuel, you got Brandon Ayuk, you got George Kittle, you got McCaffrey out of the backfield. Like, if you have all these elite weapons to throw to, and not, I'm not saying the Bears are elite like whatsoever, they're – decisively average right now in terms of weaponry, which is saying a lot compared to last year. But I mean, again, you just want to keep stacking, you know, weapons. And if Getsy knows what he's doing and it feels as the guy, hopefully that means you're getting fireworks on offense. That that's the goal here. The fullback stays though. (laughs) (laughs) Always Always got to have a fullback. (laughs) All right. Well, I think that should wrap up our uh, Bears coverage for this week. Again, not a ton happening now that, you know, mini camps have started. Uh, if there is any news, we will definitely be breaking. Well, I shouldn't say breaking. I don't think we're <laughs> popular enough to be breaking yet, but we're not, we're we will definitely be covering any big Bears news coming up in the next few weeks. Twitter, uh, last, retweet. Yeah. Yeah. Retweet <laughs> everything on Twitter. Thank you, Adam Schefter and uh, uh, Ian Rappaport. Yeah. So moving on now to the last team to cover, the Bulls. Uh, Andrew, I am going to let you take this right away because I know you have been waiting (laughs) to talk about this. Well, okay. So obviously there's not a ton going on with the Bulls with it being the offseason and the the Bulls, as usual, not being, uh, you know, a playoff team worth talking about. Um, But we did get some news that the Bulls, quietly and secretly gave president of uh, basketball operations, Arturis Karnaschovas, a contract extension, um, which I don't know how long it's going to keep him with the Bulls through, but the fact that they did this as quietly and, and as sneakily as possible tells me all you want to know about how the Reinsdorfs view this entire just dumpster fire of an organization right here. Um, and I just I, I don't have enough bad words to <laughs> to put here for how I'm surprised you haven't used that to be completely oh honest with gosh. you. I, I'm trying to keep this PG here, guys. It's it a PG thirteen is fine. PG thirteen. It's it might be tough though. We, we might go X rated here. Does that mean <laughs> does PG thirteen mean we each get one F word to use per show? I think so. I think that's the rule. That's unscripted. I, I was, was going to say, uh, I was kind of surprised you didn't describe the Bulls as a shit show, but I'll burn mine. I mean, they are. They are a shit show. Um, <laughs> but let's just break down everything that Arturis Karnaschovas has done since taking the job. Hiring Sorry. Billy hiring Billy Donovan as his head coach, which Billy Donovan, like, okay, to be fair, to be head fair. coaches in the NBA, to be fair. Um, <laughs> Thank you. The letter can be But look, NBA coaches, there's only like a certain few that actually make a difference on an NBA team. Let's be, if we're being real here, there's only a couple that are actually like, you can tell, like make a sizable difference to their teams winning games. Billy Donovan ain't one of those guys. So it's not like the hiring is bad or anything, but you know, with Billy Donovan, you bring him in he's not looking to come in here and do a rebuild project. He's looking to come in here and be competitive right away. Cause he made that known very clearly when he, you know, signed with the bulls, I'm not coming here for rebuild. We're trying to win. We're trying to win as soon as possible. Um, and so they make the move for Nikola Vucevic um, at the trade down line a couple of years ago, giving up two first round picks, giving up Wendell Carter jr. Um, and, you know, you get to that next off season 
signing Lonzo Ball, which <laughs> they ended up tampering in that signing and giving <laughs> up a future second round pick to make that signing. So not only do you get Lonzo Ball. Can I, I just want to interject yeah. real quick. That is the reason we don't have, we probably won't have a draft pick this draft yes. because we tampered with Lonzo Ball. Yes. That's the, the reason. reason. The reason we don't have a draft pick in this draft is because we decided to give two first round picks for Nikola Vucevic, who is a free agent going into this year and wasn't all that good with this team over the past couple of years. And they signed Lonzo Ball, who I don't even know if he's going to play again because he has those knee injury, knee injury issues, which I mean, it sucks for him, but that was part of like, that was part of the risk of signing Lonzo Ball is he's always had injury issues with his knees and lower body and all that stuff. Like you you knew that going into it. You take the injury out of it. It's a great signing, but unfortunately the injury kept him sidelined for a season and a half. So I don't think he's ever played more than 55 games in a season. Like there's always something going on with Lonzo Ball, and it, it sucks because he's a very fun player to watch when he's actually on the court, but he's very rarely on the court. So you're stuck with that contract now. You give up another first uh, first round pick for Demar Derozan, which I think it's top ten protected. But if this team is, you know, what I think they're going to try to do is they're going to be stubborn and they're going to try to get into the play in every year. So they're probably they're probably going to be giving up that pick because they're not going to tank. Um, you're giving up for Demar Derozan, who Derozan's been awesome for the Bulls, but what has he really done to you know be a difference maker for the Bulls? Like he gets a ton of you know points out there. He's a great scorer, um, fun player to watch in the regular season, but his game does not translate to winning basketball in the postseason because he just he doesn't shoot threes. He's not a good defensive player, and it, it, if you haven't, haven't paid attention to basketball over the last decade or so, those are like the two most important things right now: is can you shoot threes? And can you be versatile on defense? And DeMar DeRozan does zero of those, of those two things. Like he's a, bu- he's a certified bucket getter, but he doesn't do the two things that like you really, you really need to, uh, you know, be a winning team. And then you give a max contract to Zach Levine, who Zach Levine is a talented scorer, but he is, he's not a max player. He, he just is not that guy. So uh, I would agree. Yeah, so Andrew, just, you're Alberto. <laughs> you're our Bulls Berto, man. You just, oh you're going to keep going and going and going. I, All right. You guys don't, don't let me just go on, go on and on. Cut me off when, you know, you, you feel like it. No, but, you're on a roll. Um, All of that was just, valid. And again, the, I, only thing, the only thing I wanted to add, uh, going back to DeMar, I think his greatest contribution to a Bulls playoff run was having his daughter at the Toronto game. That was awesome. That was, <laughs> that was no, that was legendary. Was it though? Come on, like, yeah, it was. <laughs> who needs to yeah, hear? Well, that was sure. fantastic. All right. All right. It was. I'll take that. <laughs> I'll take that for sure. She made she made the Toronto Raptors shoot worse than Shaq from the line <laughs> as a team in a winner go home game on home court. I, you know what? If Reinsdorf extended AK after that game because of that <laughs> hey like look you brought tamar here i mean that was that was awesome we're gonna give you a, yeah i actually wouldn't be too mad about that <laughs> but i, I the, the big problem with me is that this kind of like this personifies the ultimate problem with reinsdorf and the organization as a whole which is that they are just so content not even content like they strive for mediocrity as an organization they do not have any like bone in their body about trying to compete for championships here. They just want to be good enough to be relevant in the postseason discussion so that they can get a couple extra games in the postseason for some extra revenue. And they can use that to go destroy the white Sox organization as well. <laughs> like that's, that's their, the, the entire motivation here is that get enough money to use in the white Sox to make the white Sox a dumpster fire as well. That's it. Like it, it's just, 
it just reeks of um, just, again, like I said, mediocrity. It reeks of, um, you know, not having, I guess, forward thinking, a forward thinking attitude to your organization. And honestly, I think that when you look at this, like, I, I honestly think that the pitch for bringing in Karnaschovas in the first place was, is he told him basically, I can get you guys to the playoffs as soon as possible. Here's how I'm going to do it. Whether that makes us a championship contender or not, who knows, but I'll get you to the playoffs as soon as possible. We'll see what happens. But the Bulls are in maybe the worst situation in all basketball right now because they don't have any picks. They don't have cap space. They don't have assets you know, to trade and, and get draft picks and young players for to really start to you know rebuild this thing if they want to go that direction. And so they're just kind of stuck. And that's kind of where where I have a huge problem with this is that you're basically rewarding a guy who has you in this situation where you're just stuck in the, the ladder of mediocrity. Unfortunately, I would tend to agree with you. Yeah. Uh, with all that being said, <clears throat> I think we should uh, move on to our four stars of the week here. And what's awesome is now that we have a fourth person, nobody has to double up. There's less confusion. So uh, we'll <laughs> jump right into it. Um, so Nick, I'm going to do you last, uh, Andrew, if you want to start. (laughs) Yeah, I I can start. Um, so our first star of the week is going to be Justin Fields and has nothing to do with him doing anything on the field, obviously, because I mean, the bears aren't (laughs) playing any football as of right now, but Justin Fields, um, did something amazing this past, I think this past week, um, this past Sunday, actually, um, graduating from Ohio state officially with getting his college degree. And I think I'm trying to look for what the degree was here. I think it was, I can't find it Um, anyway, but Justin Fields getting his college degree. um, That's just really awesome. And it it just shows that, you know, Fields, he's a guy that just gets it, man. He just gets, you know, what it means to be, um, you know, the type of, I guess, leader you want in your organization on and off the field. And it shows the level of the drive. I think he has, um, to, you know, finish what he started from an academic standpoint, you know, not just resting on his lawyers as a player here. Um, and what I found to be really awesome as well is that Kevin Warren, the new president for the bears was there for Justin Fields graduation. And oh, that's really it, cool. I yeah. If you that. don't know that Kevin, Kevin Warren and Justin Fields actually have a history because Kevin Warren, um, was the big 10 commissioner when Justin Fields was playing at Ohio state. There's actually a bit of a, an issue with, uh, Justin Fields and Kevin Warren because, that was during the COVID year when um, there was a whole issue about like where, you know, was college football going to have their season um, that year. And Justin Fields was one of the, you know, one of the main athletes out there who's very prominent of wanting to get a season in. And you have Kevin Warren, his first year as a commissioner, not really knowing what he's doing first year on the job, having to deal with just unprecedented um, circumstances there. So anyway, with that said, um, just it, it, I thought that was a really cool moment for you know two of you know the pillars of your organization there with your president who's responsible for you know the building of this new stadium and then Justin Fields who's your franchise quarterback moving forward to have that moment together. I thought that was really neat. So uh, shout out to Justin Fields, congratulations to him for a job well done there and um, really awesome stuff. Hopefully that can you know really become helpful in the future for him. All right. I will handle our number two star of the week. Uh, it's going to be Matt Mervis. Congrats on the call up. Uh, had his 
I think he had 20 people at Wrigley Field for uh, the first game, about 10 people at Wrigley Field for the second game. Um, and he went, uh, he got two singles, both hits, uh, drove in runs. So uh, congrats to Matt Mervis on the call up. We are very much looking forward to a bright and prosperous future for you in the Windy City. So shout out Matt Mervis. Uh, Tyg. You are up next, sir, with the third yes. star. Yes, and Miguel Maya, we didn't forget about you, buddy, but you'll get your star. Don't you worry. But this third star <laughs> of the week goes to Jed Hoyer because he's vindicated. Uh, well, I'll let Nicole take care of it later in his 180. I know he wants to talk about it, but Wilson Contreras uh, is no longer the primary catcher for the Cardinals. It seems like Jed protected his value really well, and it seems like we kind of um, might have even escaped with one on that one. I love Wilson. He was a part of that team. He was the heartbeat of the Cubs. Uh, he'll always be a part of the Cubs, but, you know, Jed Hoyer, the star, it's you. <laughs> and uh, the fourth star of the week goes to Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner, for rigging the draft lottery so that <laughs> Connor Bedard is now a member of the Chicago Blackhawks. <laughs> so if you haven't been able to figure it out yet, you wonderful listeners and watchers of this podcast, uh, Nick gets all the meme and joke stuff. <laughs> so. I mean, I mean, I mean, Batman was not going to risk the best prospect coming up since McDavid ending it up in Columbus for his prime. He just <laughs> was not going to risk it. What do you got against Ohio, Nick? I I don't have anything <laughs> against Ohio. I've I've driven down the turnpike through pencil through on the way to Pennsylvania, and their their rest stops are really nice. But, <laughs> My heart but is Gary in Bat Ohio. Gary Batman doesn't like Columbus. <laughs> They're way too small a market. He wants he wants the big players in the big markets. And uh we got we got a big player in Connor Bedard coming to one of the biggest markets in the league. So the third largest media market in the country. Yep. I looked it up before we started doing this. So good for you. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do my research. <laughs> All right, moving right along. Uh on to our SWFU section. Again, I think two weeks in a row, I don't think we messed anything up, at least that I'm aware of. We'd have nothing that or we're not session. popular enough for people to tell us where we did. <laughs> you know what? I'm, a little bit of both. I'm going to like to think we're perfect and just let my ego get bigger. So uh, nothing for SWFU again. Uh, but if you do find that we have messed something up in our episode, you can feel free to tweet at any of us. Uh, again, I have our Twitter handle in my Description here at four star pod shy CHI is in Chicago. Uh, Andrew at AJ Freeman 25, Nick at Endicola 21, and Tig at TM Mullen 007 because he loves James Bond. <laughs> I did you know that's what it every, was. Every time I try making a new username on anything, I always try to avoid the 007. And I'm like, I've been doing it for <laughs> 14 years. You're already committed. All right, so now moving on to, I think, our uh, fan favorite segment. Uh, I'm going to start, depending on how good these go, uh, making clips and posting them throughout the week of our 180s or anything else funny that happens over the course of the show. But we are moving on to the complete 180 here. Um, I'll go first because my name is listed first. So I'm going to go on a little bit of a Nick-style rant here this week. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I hope most of you know who Patrick Mahomes is. He is the multi Super Bowl and super sorry, multi Super Bowl MVP winning quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. 
He happens to have a younger brother named Jackson, who is a total worthless piece of human garbage. Uh, Jackson Mahomes has done such things as uh, when the Washington now commanders uh, did a ceremony to unveil Sean Taylor's uh, statue. Sean Taylor was a quarterback, cornerback, excuse me, for the then previously named Washington football team uh, in the early 2000s, who killer player went to the Pro Bowl, just awesome all around person, unfortunately, was murdered. He got shot. And they did a, a nice ceremony for him to unveil a statue. They painted his jersey number into a little patch of grass on the field. And it was cordoned off with those fancy velvet rope things. And uh, Jackson Holmes, at the time that this was happening, decided that it would be a good idea to boost his internet clout and do a TikTok dance on the freaking cordoned off number on the field. Now, on top of this, Patrick Mahomes has a wife named Brittany who is also a worthless piece of human garbage. She has been seen with Jackson Mahomes at FedEx. I think it was at FedEx. No, sorry. It was at Arrowhead. Got too caught up in Washington. But <laughs> at Arrowhead, uh, the Chiefs got beaten. And so Jackson and Brittany Mahomes decided to dump water, which again, it's water, whatever. But they just decided to empty their water bottles on opposing fans and then like storm off all pouty because you're wearing very little Patrick Noss. Well, to make matters worse, just wanted to give a little backstory. This isn't even the meat and potatoes of it all. Jackson Mahomes has been arrested for sexual battery for forcibly kissing a nightclub owner, and it was all caught on camera. Jackson Mahomes, you are a worthless piece of human garbage. 80% of all human beings have siblings. 80%. Do you want to know how many other NFL siblings wind up in situations like this? None that I've heard of. So good luck. Hope you go to jail. You deserve it. Uh, I think I looked it up. It's got a maximum sentence of a $350,000 fine and 43 months in prison. If I remember correctly, I feel like those numbers are sticking out in my head. Somebody can correct me in the SWFU section next week. But yeah, uh, just wanted to fill everybody in on how awesome Patrick Mahomes' little brother is. So that's my one. That's 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 fun. All he had to do, all he, all, he, all, all he had to do was just not be a piece of human garbage and just lay low and relax. Seriously, yep. and Then he's got like a billionaire brother that yeah can just do whatever. But Patrick but, Mahomes signed the single most lucrative football contract in yep. history. What was it? Ten year, ten years or fifteen years? I know it was ten half years. of a ten years, half a billion freaking dollars. Yeah, for one contract. That's going I want, to get renegotiated down the road. I'll say this, and then I'll go, we'll get to Ty for his. Um, none of this should, you know, rest on Patrick Mahomes. Oh no, 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 whatever. no! I, I hope that people don't do that. Like he is not responsible. No, we like for Patrick. The actions. He's and not Patrick's responsible great for the actions of his brother. No, so he just, let's just he needs to have really, he, he needs to have better taste in play. women and keep his brother in check. And maybe you should have beat him up a little bit more when they were younger. But well, hey, it anyway. looks like he's got a beautiful family. So I, I mean. I'll get. I'll give him that too. Anyway, time. oh no, no, wait! I need to add one more thing. Oh, I need to add one more thing. I apologize. The other reason I wanted to hate on Brittany a little bit is because she accused the media of ruining Jackson's life after wow. the sexual battery yeah. charge. After, not before, not before yeah, when the that, TikTok uh, dancing was happening. After a sexual battery charge. So that's why I was bringing Brittany into all of this as well. Mm. Yeah, that's not a great. That one done. Not a great. <laughs> Okay. Take it away, Ty. First 180. I hope you're ready. Yeah. My first 180 is going to be more on the goofy side. Fellas, 
we all listen to podcasts, don't we? Now, <laughs> I recently have been listening to what's called White Noise Podcast to go to bed. It's stuff like rainforest, rain on the canopy, or like, you know, <laughs> thunderstorms on the ocean. Now, these are eight-hour loops of about, I don't know, five-second clips that just keep on going on loop. And I'm trying to wonder how much ad revenue that these people are getting. So I think that that's a market that we could tap into. <laughs> <laughs> are you gonna make your 180 segment just like a white noise segment <laughs> you are slowly off to i'm making i'm making my 180 segment to propose to you guys that we start our own white noise segment fear not i got the first eight episodes planned out all right and i like to relay them right now first up <laughs> first episode let's go i'm ready i'm ready jordan dupont vaping for eight hours just the sound of him hitting his vape and exhaling that's the first episode I think that'll really ease people into it. Damn, dude, why you gotta help me like that? <laughs> Second episode, Tig Mullen's book club. All right, I'm gonna re- and I'm not gonna like it's gonna be me reading eight hours straight. If I don't finish the book, I pick it up. You know, next episode, they're not gonna be happy books though. They're gonna be like, oh my god, what's wrong with this person? Type books. All right, really, really good night stories. Uh, third like episode. Hemingway to me. <laughs> I got a lot of material. Third episode, Nick DiCola heckling baseball players for eight hours straight. <laughs> Are you sure that's like a soothing noise to get people? Oh, to yeah. Go to sleep Don't worry then? about it. It'll be fine. Don't worry. Just wait till you Die, hear about episode five. Um, <laughs> episode four. That was, that was a Nick heckle. Sorry to interrupt. That was a Nick heckle. No, you're good. No hate against Jason Bay. Nick said that at a Cubs game. I mean, I hated him in that moment because he was playing against the Cubs. But. Episode four. All right. This might be my personal favorite. Eight hours of Andrew Freeman grunting. Episode Ooh. five. <laughs> Episode five. This one's for my fellow veterans out there. Eight hours of drill sergeant screaming at you. Episode <laughs> Episode six. An eight-hour loop of a cow munching on grass, but as it continues, you start to wonder if it's something else. Episode seven. <laughs> <laughs> I put a lot of time into this, people. Episode seven. <laughs> <I can tell. laughs> <Clearly. laughs> Ty rattling off emo song titles he's been coming up with his friend. Episode eight, <laughs> ambient baseball noises, uh, including Pat Hughes' game seven call. And so that's my first. That's my first eight episodes planned out. Let me know what you guys think. I think it's a market we could tap into, get some extra money on the side. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I feel like for. <laughs> to be a good ambient noise podcast it has to be like you know a bit more soothing than like 90 percent of the stuff you mentioned i don't know i'll just do asmr nursery right i don't know i think my grunts are very uh (laughs) (laughs) if if jordan dupont vaping for eight hours doesn't put you to sleep like a baby i don't know what would okay (laughs) you are just totally outing me right now putting that all out there. I'm not saying you have to vape for eight hours straight, Jordan. You record yourself doing it for ten seconds, and then you just put it on loop. It's called. No, I'm just saying. I, I try to like hide the fact that I have a problem, and you just. <laughs> I mean, he's just. I was on YouTube, so. I hey, never said you had a problem. That was you. <laughs> you said you had a problem. Ty didn't say you had a problem. <laughs> I I could have just you could have just done it once a day, you know, one hit a day. No, nope. I could have done it. You, I don't vape. Yeah, hey, <laughs> I could do it once. It's Tyg's first 180. He's coming out guns blazing. He's not having any chill, guys. I mean, no, that's right. that was zero. I spent, chill. No, I spent right here like 30 I respect minutes. Tyg just I made himself that. the well. Okay, Tyg's the beta right now. Nick, Nick is still the alpha for 
the 180 Don't segment. put that pressure but. on me, man. <laughs> oh, pressure is on, bud. You got oh, a lot God. to follow up you on. Know, I got heated for that. Pressure is all your fault for making your for setting the standards so high. So you just got to live up to it. I guess so. Yeah, that open letter is our most viewed YouTube clip. Like, I mean, it's our only. Clip, it's also our only it's, YouTube clip. <laughs> it's more viewed than the other episodes. So, anyway, all right. Andrew, anyway, Andrew, do you do you want to rant about the Bulls again, or did you kind of cover I would, everything? You I would to love to rant. You know what? I'll just expand on it because I can. I just want to talk about more about how Jerry Reinsdorf is the worst owner known to man, um, as it currently sits right now in the current NBA landscape. You know, you go back to when Reinsdorf bought the team in the 1980s and how lucky he was to buy the team just as Michael Jeffrey Jordan was drafted into. Uh, the organization here, the best basketball player to ever play. And he drags the sorry organizations to six championships and makes them a global brand all by, not by himself. Obviously he can't, he had a lot of help with, you know, Pippen, Phil and um, Rodman, all the guys on, on those great teams. Um, but for all intents and purposes, Michael Jordan was the reason why the bulls were really the standard bearer for the NBA for, such a long time as a global brand. And Reinsdorf has just been riding the coattails of that basically ever since then. And we should have known this was going to happen when Reinsdorf basically was basically let it known that he was fine letting Jerry Krause blow the team up after winning their second straight three-peat. And basically saying, yeah, yeah, you know, the best player of all time wants to come back and play again. But Jerry Krause is so petty that he doesn't want you know, Phil Jackson to come back as his coach, that he's willing to let the best player to ever play the game. And the whole reason we are successful as an organization, he's willing to let that guy go and retire because he's too petty to just sign Phil Jackson for another year as his, as his head coach. Like the fact that, you know, you have an owner that was content with that just kind of shows what he was right away. And then as an so- owner of the White Sox, we're, again, we're not a White Sox podcast here, but if it weren't for a lightning in a bottle, you know, 2000, what was it 2004 when they won the World Series, 2005? Um, if it weren't for a lightning in the bottle season, we'd be thinking about, you know, the White Sox in the same way as it's just mismanaged team. I mean, you look at how disastrous their season has been this year um, after all the hype going into really over the past couple of years. Um, just Reinsdorf, man. Just everything he touches turns to absolute dog shit. Um, and... <laughs> It just it gets exemplified more with extending Arturis Karnaschovas and just letting mediocrity play. He is one of the worst owner to have for a sports team because he's not getting into a bunch of scandals away from the court. He's not, he doesn't come off as just like this really just giant asshole off the court that rubs everybody the wrong way, but he just sets the tone for your organization. It's just mediocrity personified no ambition for wanting to have a successfully run organization. He's super cheap. He doesn't want to spend money and he is content just being just good enough to get a couple extra, extra bus in the seat for those playoff games, get that extra revenue. And he's going to run with it to the piggy bank and waste it on his white Sox, who are going to be shitty anyway, like I said before. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's all I got to say. I mean, Ryan, so if, if it weren't for Donald Sterling being um, an absolute racist piece of garbage like we'd be like we would be thinking about reinsdorf as one of the worst nba owners if not the worst nba owner out there because again it's just it's so frustrating as a bulls fan and i i just all i can say is sell the damn team dude or just like 
just get out of the picture already. I don't want to like wish death on anybody on this podcast here, but like, holy cow, like we, I just, we just need the, the rhinestorm reign of terror here to be over with here. I'm just ready for it. Donald anyway. Sterling is a name I have not heard in a real long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I could have gone much longer without having heard that name. Uh, trust me, I didn't want to bring him up, but Reinsdorf brings up the worst than all of us. God. <laughs> all right. And the moment everyone has been waiting for. We're hyping this up way too much, man. <laughs> you put the pressure on yourself, man. That that Aaron Rodgers letter was it was too good. All right. Well, shut up, Jordan. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take my 180 this week and do something that um I don't get to do that often but when i do it's great and that is completely shit all over the st louis cardinals everyone's most hated baseball team so if you haven't been following the cardinals this year they have had an absolutely horrendous start to the year they have the worst record in the national league they're nine or ten games back in the division and it's just not going well there's the first week of the season uh there was a huge controversy because uh manager oliver marmel uh, through, I think it was Tyler O'Neill under the bus for not. I, I think he mm-hmm. didn't run out to first base or whatever, and that's running home. He always run home, yeah, and that caused a holster. So the vibes down in St. Louis are just not very great, and that brings us to uh, the Wilson Contreras situation. So uh, Wilson Contreras, as we all know, Cub for he was in the organization for well over a decade, won the World Series in 2016, mm-hmm. was a big contributor in there. Um, he became a free agent this past offseason, and he signed a five-year, $75 million contract to be the catcher, the heir apparent to Yadier Molina, the Hall of Famer. I'm doing air quotes <laughs> if you're not watching the um, if you're not watching the video. But um, so he signed that con- contract. They signed him to that. And um, when when he joined the team, when he gave his press conference, whenever he was quoted, he made it a point. He seemed to make it a point to try to stick it to the Cubs organization. Like he was talking about how great it was to be a Cardinal and talking up Yadi and all that. Uh, well, recently uh, the Cardinals decided that Wilson was no longer going to catch for them. So basically he spent this whole off season, you know, hyping himself up. It's like, he's going to be the heir apparent to Yadi and how it was such an armor, uh, how was, it was such an honor. And then six weeks into the season, the Cardinals were like, yeah, um, we just want you to never catch for us again. Like, it's just it's just insane. And not only that, uh, Oliver Marmel, the manager, started throwing Wilson under the bus, too, because, you know, uh, he started throwing him out. He said he needs to improve um, in that area. And there was another quote from him that I thought was really telling. Uh, Basically, um, someone asked uh, the manager the areas where they wanted Wilson to improve. And he said, I wouldn't say it's the pregame prep as much. That would be too simple. Uh, there's real work to be done. The way I would describe it is truly an understanding of our internal system of executing the game plan for each individual pitcher. The reality is it's more work than he's ever had to do. So from that, it makes it sound like they wanted him to like put together the game plans, which makes me think was Yadier Molina, just their entire anal- pitching analytics department. Yeah. Yeah, like, he was been. because there's, yeah. well, there's a lot of stories coming out from all these pitchers talking about their pitching coaches down in like double A and triple A and, you know, lower levels too, that are just like these pitching coaches aren't there for them and stuff like that. And, and they're trying to bring to light just kind of that there's a lot of things in the Cardinals organization that are just kind of in shambles that it really, it's like 
Cardinals fans are coming out and they're like, oh my God, like we didn't realize, I, like we love Gotti, but like we didn't realize how much he was the entire team. And yeah, he I was. Will say, <laughs> I, I will say, I, I, I did the air quotes around Hall of Famer earlier, but I think there is no better case for his Hall of Fame resume than this past month for the Cardinals. The second he <laughs> leaves, it just all goes to shit. Um, anyway, it's, it's very fun to watch them suffer. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, it. <clears throat> I mean, the Cardinals not doing well is, man, can you imagine if we get the Cardinals sucking and the Packers and sucking the Packers. in one year? We will be insufferable. Yeah, I'm also I, I'm not going to feel bad about not it. Happen, though. <laughs> no, you shut your mouth. It's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> we are going to beat the Packers twice this I year. I wish, man. I'll put it on a t-shirt. One more, one more point on the Cardinals. E- even if they expect their catcher to basically be their entire pitching analytics department, they know who Wilson Contreras is. They've played against him for years. And, you know, you know what you're getting. You're getting an above average bat. You're getting he's got an arm, but he's not a great at framing he's not a great defensive catcher he's just never that's never been his strong suit so you get you commit that money to that guy for that role and now you have to put him at dh and outfield where that's where all their big prospects are coming from so now he's blocking them it's just a disaster all around and i don't know what they were thinking i'm glad they did it because it's really stupid and it's really funny (laughs) yeah well the bat kind of hurt us today but you know or I, I prepared this before the game today, so I would rather not talk yeah. about the game today. <laughs> yeah, that's for next week. That's for next that week. That's next week's one, uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Anything got any or anything? Anybody have any final thoughts before we sign off here this week? I think we're right. on a good note. All right. Well, uh, thank you again, Tig. We're glad you're here. We are looking forward to a wonderful and fruitful partnership moving forward. <laughs> I'm glad to be here, man. I'm excited. It's fun. I will do most right. of my effort on the 180s, though, and no research. I'm just <laughs> as is tradition. It is decided. Um, that's a uh, the league reference for those of you that don't know. But anyway, uh, as always, thank you so much for checking us out on the Four Star Podcast. Uh, again, I'm Jordan Dupont. I have our Twitter handle listed at Four Pod at four star pod shy man i can't talk today uh so check us out on twitter there as always joined by nick decola at ndicola 21 and andrew freeman at aj freeman 25 you can also check out his other work on the bear report at 247sports.com and the picks for polls podcast and once again welcome tig at tm mullen 007 uh, if you're checking us out on YouTube, be sure to like, comment, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. We're looking to make this even bigger and better so that we can come to you more often and give you more awesome content. Uh, if you're checking us out on any of the streaming platforms uh, for podcasts, make sure to share those links as well. Thank you. As always, we'll be back ranting and raving again next week. <laughs>